O Yahuwah, thou art my Elohim, I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. Welcome to the Science of the Covenant podcast, and I want to say to everyone, Shalom, peace and blessings to each and every one of our listeners today. I am Boyce Washington, and as you know, on the other side of me is my father, as well as the pastor, Richard Washington. As you know, we have, he, the pastor has been doing a series, uh, and this is our fourth episode of the Science of the Sacrifice, talking about the sacrifice of Yahusha to redeem us from the sinful world. If you haven't tuned in, you need to tune in and because each episode builds on the next. So right now, this week, we are on number five and we have four others. So if you haven't listened to and watched the other four, I suggest you go back and watch the other four to get caught up to understand everything that he's uh, presenting. Also, if you have any questions or comments while this podcast is live, you can email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com or drop a message or comment in the chat and we will try to get to it while we're on air. If we are unable to get to it while we're on air or you're watching this and it's not live and you have questions, make sure you send us an email to scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com and we will get to it in our next segment. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to you, Pastor. We are on number five of the science of the, I'm sorry, the sacrifice, uh, the science of the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> last week we were showing that uh, the seed that Mary had was not man's seed because man's seed is corrupted from the time that Adam and Eve sinned, and then all of this seed became corrupted. So the Bible teaches that he did not come forth of corruptible seed. So we left off last Shabbat talking about that we wanted to see exactly how Mary got her seed and where did the seed come from. So with that in mind, we want to continue where we left off last week in showing how the seed of Mary's womb and where it came from. So we'll primarily be de- dealing with the source of the seed. Let us pray. Eternal Father in heaven, we thank you for another Shabbat. And as we worship on this Shabbat and looking at your glory, looking at your word, and being able to know that creation was done in six days, and on the seventh day you rest. And when you rested, O oh, Heavenly Father, you gave us a Shabbat for time and for eternity. And now, Father, as we deal with the science of the sacrifice and talking about the source of the seed, that you would give explanations and understanding from your word that can help us to see where the seed came from. And because the seed has come from the source in which you have derived, we can see that that is a sacrifice for us. So bless, keep, guide, and direct each one of us, and may our minds be turned heavenwardly as we contemplate this subject. In Yeshua's name, we do ask it, and for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. 
So as I've uh, said, we'll be dealing with the source of the seed. In our dealing with the source of the seed, we'll be observing both the origin of the seed from the standpoint of Yah and from the origin of the seed from the standpoint of the woman. When we reference the seed from Elohim's standpoint, we call this the theosperm. Let us pursue this aspect first, and then we'll go on to the next aspect of the woman. Now, we talk about the theosperm. Now, when we talk about the theosperm, this is a word that is a combination of two Greek words. The word for God or Elohim in the Greek is theos, theos, T-H-E-O, theos. That's the Greek word for Elohim. And the word for seed in the Greek is sperm. So what we want to look at is the theosperm, which means Elohim's seed. So let us use some creative imagination as to the seed of Yah, and in doing so, we will base our imaginations upon the truth of Yah's word given to us in the Holy Scripture of truth. Okay. Now, the text that we look at is Daniel chapter 10, verse 21 says, a mighty king shall stand up that shall rule with great dominion and do according. Well, no, that's not the one I want. I wanted Daniel 12, 10. I mean, 10, 21, that is. Okay, 10, 21 says, But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. So the Bible tells us that the scriptures that we talk from are called the scriptures of truth. So we want to be able to see Elohim's seed as we pointed out in the scriptures of truth. So in order for Yah to bring forth his son, we must take, we must start with the basic, fundamental, indisputable fact. Now, what is that basic indisputable fact that we start with. Now, we must understand this fact, and nobody can dispute this. The fact is that if he is to, if Yah is to have a son, there was a time that he didn't have a son. You see, in order to have a son, there had to be a time you didn't have a son. Because a son can only come forth after he comes into being. So if he had to come into being, this would simply mean you cannot dispute the fact that Elohim didn't have a son at one time. And then when he came, then there was a son. Somewhere back in eternity, Yah had no son at all. So what Yah needed in order to have a son, what did he need? He would need the same thing that the botanical and the zoological spheres of life needed. Every species in the plant 
and animal world have seeds in them to reproduce after their kind. Even though there are in plants and animals kingdoms that which produce in other ways, but for the most part, we are focusing upon our uh, we are focus, focusing our attention on those species which reproduce by having a seed. The laws which govern the plant and the animal kingdoms are also operative in Yah's kingdom as well. Many of the principles of life found in nature are inherited in Yah himself. So often when we discover in nature a principle of life, we are also observing some aspect of our creator's being, for it is he himself who has designated it that way. The life-giving principles we find looked up that we look that we the life principles which we we find are locked up in nature of our environment and are placed there by our creator to both discover and to study them. And in doing so, we will indirectly acquire an understanding of some of the aspects of Yehoah's nature. Elohim has hid these principles in his creation for us to search them out. Now, let us turn to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter Twenty-five. Here in Proverbs chapter twenty-five, he had reads. It says, "It is the glory of Elohim to conceal a thing." In other words, the wise man Solomon says that Elohim has concealed uh, his glory. Then he goes on to say, in the second verse of the twenty-fifth chapter of Proverbs, he said, "But." The honor of kings is to search out a matter. So in other words, even though these principles are hidden in nature, it is said it is the glory of Elohim to conceal a thing. And once he conceal it, he said, but it is the honor of kings is to search out a matter. In other words, what Elohim conceal is what we search out in his word. If Yah has a seed, and that seed comes forth from himself, then in his seed would be his image and likeness. Now let us turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, and we're looking at uh, verse 26. I'm not sure if I had that listed, but we want to get Genesis chapter 1. And here in Genesis chapter 1, we want to consider uh, verse number 26. Okay, Genesis 1, 26. <clears throat> now, here it says, in Genesis, verse 26 in chapter 1, it says, And Elohim said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And then verse 27, we want to get as well. And so Elohim created man in his own image. 
in the image of Elohim created he him, male and female created he them. So what we are looking at in, in this <clears throat> is that the male and the female and <clears throat> man particularly was made in the image and the likeness of Elohim. Yah's seed was inside of himself. When Yah's seed came forth from him, it was his son. When Yah said, let us make man in our image and likeness, in verses in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, when he said that, he said, let us, the uses of us and our in this passage is reflective of Yah and his son, because us and our are plural. Who are the two individuals? It's, it's the father and his son. His son coming forth from him would resemble his father in a shared image and likeness of him. Therefore, they could say, let us make man in our image and likeness. One of the names Yeshua has in heaven is Michael. Michael, which means one who is like El, one who is like God. Now, let us trace this down. Let us uh, go to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12. Now, when we look in uh, Daniel chapter 12, we want to look at verse 1, Daniel 12, 1. Now, here the Bible says in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, it said, At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was, since there was a nation even unto that time, that same time, and at the, that time, the people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. So here we see an important passage that he talks about Michael, and it says that Michael was the great prince. Why is he the great prince? Well, he's the great prince because his father is the king, and Michael is a son, and the son of a king is a prince. So they called him Michael, the great prince, okay? So they may have had other princes, but he's the greatest of, of them all. Now let us turn uh, to, the book of, uh, to the book of Jude. And in the book of Jude, we want to look at verse number nine. Uh, yeah, verse nine. Jude only has one chapter, so we want to look at verse nine. In the book of Jude. Now, here's what verse 9 says. It said, Yet Michael, the archangel, which contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring, durst not bring against him a relevant accusation, but he said, Yah rebuked thee. So here in this particular passage, it is talking about Michael, the archangel. Now, what is an archangel? The word arch means chief or the head. So when you got an archangel, then you got a head, the head of the angels, who was Michael. Okay, now, uh, archangel, the word angel could be uh, interpreted two ways. Sometimes when you deal with an angel, you're talking about a being that has wings and that he flies. 
And another uh, interpretation of angel, it means messenger. Okay, so so when you look at the Greek understanding of the word ang word angelos, angelos is the Greek word for angel, and angelos means messenger. So he's the chief ma uh, messenger, and he's the chief of the angels. He's the archangel. He's over all of the angels. Just like we have a military force here in the United States. So who would be the chief of the military force? Well, it would be the president of the United States. He's the chief of them. You may have generals and officers and colonels under him, but ultimately he is the chief. He's over all. And just like Elohim's son, Michael, is over all of the angelical hosts. He doesn't have to be an angel to be over them, but he can be their chief, just like a president of a country of our country doesn't have to be a soldier. But he, if he's the chief, that means he's over the soldiers. He could be a soldier, but he doesn't have to be, but he can still be the chief if he's a president. So what we're looking at here is that Michael, the Bible says, contented with the devil who disputed about Moses. Now, what we need to understand about this is, if he disputed the body of Moses, then Yeshua, the son of the father, was already in existence because uh, Michael had not come to this world yet, but he was disputing the body of Moses when Moses died. The devil made accusations, and uh, Michael stood up for him. Because, you know, Moses made a lot of mistakes, and that was the reason why he couldn't get in the promised land. So I imagine the devil was putting up a lot of stuff on Moses, but the Bible says he disputed, but he didn't win the debate because he Moses was eventually resurrected. Now let us go to uh, Revelation chapter 9, uh, not, not 9, but Revelation chapter 12. So in Revelation chapter 12, we want to look at verse number 7. Revelation 12, 7 said, And there was war in heaven, and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels. Okay? So again, we see another reference to Michael. Okay? And what, what happened? Well, the Bible says there was a war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought. Okay, now, this is suggestive of the fact that Elohim had a son, and that son was the chief of all of the angels. So when they got ready to fight, even f even before uh, uh, this world was created, they had a, they had a fight. And when they fought, the devil was cast out. And who did he fight with? He fought with Yeshua, who was Michael at that time. So when the father and the son decided to make mankind, they did so by patterning them after they themselves. And when they were, uh, Adam and Eve were created after the image, then what we see here basically is that Satan, when he was cast out, he wanted to kill Adam and Eve. He deceived them. Why did he want to get rid, get get them? Because he couldn't get the father or the son because he was cast out. So he went after Adam and Eve to deceive them. So <clears throat> with that 
we understand that in order for him to do what he did, then he was trying to say that since Adam and Eve was being made and brought into existence by the son, because the father worked through the son to create them, that he would be able to get their children. So if all of that was happening before Adam and Eve was born, the very same person that the devil was fighting in heaven, which was the son or the prince of the father, is the same person that's going to eventually be our sacrifice. Same person. Same person that he worshiped in heaven is the same person that he's, he, he, he was going to have to deal with on this earth who had come to redeem us. So if we consider the nature of Yah prior to his son coming upon the scene of existence, then it would mean that within his nature, he had a seed. It was this seed which brought forth a son like himself. Notably, we can say that Yah's son came forth from his seed, which was enclosed in himself. So Yah had a seed within himself. However, the crucial question we face is that once Yah had a son before the creation of this world, how did Yah's son come forth again once having been born in heaven first? So if he, he came forth in heaven first, then how could he come forth again in this world? We know that when he came forth the second time into the world, it was through the human flesh of Mary's womb. At this juxtaposition, we want to concern ourselves with our second standpoint of the seed, which is the seed of the woman. Now, we, deal with, we dealt with the seed as it was from Elohim, which we call the theosperm. The theosperm was the seed that was to come forth from Elohim himself, and that was the seed that produced the prince, which was his son in heaven. That produced that. So now we want to look at how did Mary receive the seed. And so when we look at that, when we reference the seed from the woman's standpoint, we call this the Mitra sperm, Mitra sperm. So we want to look at the Mitra sperm. Mitra is spelled M-E-T-R-A, S-P-E-R-M. That's made out of two Greek words. Mitra means womb. That is the Greek word for womb. A woman's womb was called the Mitra. And then when we deal with the seed, which is sperm, seed and sperm is a Greek word for seed. So when we look at the Mitra seed, one of the Greek words for womb, and we look at the word sperm, which is a Greek word for seed, we have the word Mitra sperm. So when we look at the metrosperm, what are we looking at? Let's turn to Genesis chapter 3, and we want to look at verse 15, Genesis 3.15. So we're talking about the metrosperm, okay? 
we're talking about the sperm that was put into Mary, and, and we'll look at that and see exactly where a seed came from because we said it didn't come from man as we discussed last week. So it had to come from another source, and we know the other source wasn't angels because angels don't procreate. So the only other source is Elohim himself. So now let us look at Genesis 3.15, and this is the verse that we have been going over for a number of times. And here it says in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, here's what we're looking at. The Bible says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, okay, and between thy seed. And we studied about the seed uh, 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 of the serpent. Now, it's saying, and her seed, okay? Now, remember, when we read the genealogy, it was talking about, Every time a person was born, so-and-so begotten, so-and-so begotten, so-and-so begotten, so-and-so, and they were coming down through the male line. So when we deal with Yeshua's seed, his father uh, gave him his seed, but we could not connect Yeshua's seed with an earthly father, but we can connect it with a heavenly father because all of the time that Yeshua was on earth, he was talking about doing his father's business, and that was not in the carpenter sh shop of Joseph, his father. He was talking about the heavenly father's business that he was on. And even at 12 years old, he was saying to Mary and Joseph, wish ye not that I be about my father's business. And they knew that he wasn't talking about Joseph. So he was talking about what? He was talking about the fact that his father was in heaven. That's who he was talking about, his heavenly father. When he prayed, he always prayed to my father in heaven. So what we are seeing here, if it says her seed, he is not connecting the seed with any human. No human is connected with it. Even when you look at the genealogy of, uh, of uh, his, uh, his first son, Cain, Cain's land, he didn't come through. He came through the land of Seth, which was the second son that took the place of Cain, because Abel was killed, and then when he got Seth, Seth had 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 children, but he didn't come through the line of of Seth. He didn't come through the line of the Semitic people. He came from Elohim. Okay, so it said the seed of the woman. So if it's saying the seed of the woman, then we have to look at it for what it says. This seed is not coming from man. It says the seed of the woman. So we got to find out how did the woman get the seed if she didn't get it from man. So what we are looking at, it speaks about the woman's seed. As we know from the prophetical understanding of this text, the woman isn't Eve, but rather it is Mary, the mother of Yeshua. It is Mary's womb which contained seed, of Elohim. It is the womb of Mary that we want to concern ourselves with. So, so she was the mother of Yeshua who carried the seed of Yah to produce him. 
No man's seed was used to bring forth Yeshua. We are told from Scripture that Yeshua was not born of the will of man, but of Elohim. Now, we read that in John chapter 1, verse 13. When we read that, it says that he was not born of the will of man, but of Elohim. So Elohim's will was different from man. Because man can have seed by lust and everything else, but Yeshua didn't didn't come that way. He came through the will of his father, which was the correct will, and as a result, he was able uh, to have a pure birth. Now, Joseph, as we understood, Joseph, the husband of Mary, wasn't told in a dream not to fear. He was, Joseph, the husband of Mary, was told in a dream not to fear to take unto him Mary, his wife. Now, when we look in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of Adonai appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So, uh, while, while she was pregnant, Joseph was wondering what, what's going on here. And when the angel appeared, he said, don't, don't fear. He said, no man has touched her. He says that the thing that is in her is of the Holy Ghost. So when we look at that, what is it saying to us? It is saying that it came from another source than humans. Now, in the same Matthew chapter 1, we want to look at verse 23. It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is Elohim with us or God with us. So now what we are seeing here is he says she was a virgin. Now, in the context of this version, it's not just talking about a young girl, but it's talking about one who had, had not had a relationship with a man in order to produce a child. And this is why when the angel came to Joseph, he was saying that which is conceived in her is not from man in so many words, but she is of the Holy Spirit that comes from the Father. Furthermore, we are told that Joseph, her husband, knew her not. In verse 25, it said, And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Yeshua. So the Bible says when she had the child, Joseph had not touched her. She was a virgin. But he didn't know his wife, Mary, until they had a child until they had the child, which was Yeshua. So we know from this here that the seed that was placed in her was not Joseph's seed. So we draw the conclusion that if Joseph didn't know her, then who did? In order to get some insight into this, let us go all the way back to Genesis again. We go all the way back to Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 3, in verse 15, we go back to that. And here the Bible says, it says, 
and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Okay, we want to look at that again. It speaks about her seed. Okay. It said her seed. Didn't say his seed. It said her seed. Okay, now we already found out it was Elohim's seed. So if it's Elohim's seed, how can it be her seed? Notice that in this verse, it makes no mention of a man's seed. It merely states her seed. We know that it is the man who has the seed, and he is the one who passes it on to the woman. Now, who in turn bears it for a period of time and brings forth a child? So if Mary's husband, Joseph, didn't know his wife and she was chaste, then how did she bear a child? It could only be that the seed she carried was that which Yah placed within her, within her womb, which was the seed of his son. Now, the text says her seed, not his seed. Why would it be her seed? Once Yah, through the Spirit, the Bible says through the Holy Ghost, once Yah, through the Spirit, put his seed in her womb, it became her seed. You see, whatever Elohim puts within us, once we get it, it becomes ours. It is from her that Yah's son would be given. He would be given what? He would be given his flesh. Okay, let us turn to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews chapter 10. And in this 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews, we want to uh, look at verse number 5, Hebrews 10, 5. And Apostle Paul writes this. He says in verse 5, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he's talking about Yeshua. He said, when he comes into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. He said, even though I'm coming to be the sacrifice, he says, when I come into this world, I have a body that is prepared for me. Okay, now, how did they prepare the body for him? Okay, let's look at that. How did he prepare the body? In other words, it is saying here that when he put the seed into Mary, it became her seed, and we saw there in in, in, in the book of Hebrews, that he was going to get a body. And that body was going to come from who? It's going to come from Mary. She's going to provide him the body. Okay, now when we turn to Matthew, we want to look at Matthew chapter 1, and we want to consider uh, a couple of verses there. Matthew chapter 1, the verse, first verse that we want to see is verse 18. Matthew 1.18 says, now the birth of Yeshua, the Messiah, was on this wise. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy, Holy Ghost. Okay, and so in other words, uh, even before Mary had the child, the Holy Ghost moved upon her womb in order to sanctify her womb to be able to receive the Messiah. And then we go over again, uh, uh, verse number 20 
verse number 20 in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20 says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of Adonai appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And that word Holy Ghost, that ghost means uh, spirit, and that's taken from, uh, in Latin, they call the word spirit ghost. So it was the Holy Spirit that put the seed in her womb. And when the seed was put in the womb, according to the book of Hebrews, he was to get his human body from Mary. However, in this section, we dealt with the theosperm, and we raised a question which we will now revisit here in our study of the metrosperm. The question was, how did Yah's son come forth again once having been born in heaven first? Okay, so the question that we are asking basically is, he was born one time in heaven, and now he's born another time on earth. And so if he was born one time in heaven, and then he was born a second time on earth, why was it necessary for him to be born twice? So next week, that's what we'll be dealing with. Why was it necessary for him to be born twice? And we want to look at that. Eternal Father, as we've seen, that it was your seed that was placed in Mary to give Yeshua a body, and as a result, he became the sacrifice for us. And as we continue to pursue this subject, O oh, Heavenly Father, we may understand that Yeshua the Messiah was truly your son. In Yeshua's name, we do ask it and we do pray. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Um, so, I know you see here that Yahusha came through the line of David. So, did he actually come through the line of David? Yeah, uh, he, he he came through through the line of David, but mm -hmm. I think somebody had asked that question uh, uh, about that the other week, and they wanted to know about how was he, you know, in so many words, the son of David, mm -hmm. seeing that he existed before David, and he's he's the one that told David that uh, his Lord was going to sit on his right the right hand of the father. Uh -huh. So how is it that if, if he, they, if David himself was talking to, uh, uh, Yeshua, then how could he, whom David was talking to when he came into the world, then how was he the son of David? So yeah. that, that, that's something we, we, we'll be discussing, but we'll also show in that discussion why he came through the land the, the land of David. That's a very good, good question, but we'll be dealing with that. Now, now was Mary from the line, uh, from the line of David, I guess, from the line of Judah? Well, I think uh, when you when you when you study the uh, the uh, the uh, genealogy of Mary, mm -hmm. which I think is found found in Luke, I believe. Let me see. Uh, because Luke, he talks about the genealogy of both Joseph and Mary. Mm -hmm. I think they were both 
in the, uh, let me see, okay, here in, in the, let me see, let me see, no, let me get in the book of Luke, I think it's in the book of Luke, okay. uh, in, it's in Luke the fourth chapter, I believe, let me see, it speaks about her lineage, but it doesn't, uh, let me see, uh, here, um, <clears throat> all right, now, let me see here, all right, uh, okay, now here in the, in the book of Luke, the third chapter, it, 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 it speaks, it speaks about, let me see, it said in verse 23, and Yeshua himself being about 30 years old, as was supposed the son of Joseph, which was of the son of Heli. Okay. Now, if you trace in this genealogy, you, you would see it goes all the way back to Adam. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, when it goes back to Adam, it goes through a number of generations. And in those generations, uh, you'll find a lot of names, okay? But no doubt, uh, I think that's uh, the genealogy of of Yosef. Uh, of, uh, of now, I think, uh, I was thinking that was of uh, Mary, but I think Mary's is found here in in Genesis. Okay, let's look at, Gen- not Genesis, but uh, uh, Matthew. Okay, now, now here in Matthew, it talks about Mary's uh, genealogy, and it says, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. Okay, now one genealogy takes it in one direction, this takes it in another, but no doubt Mary's genealogy was uh, coming down through the well they start with Abraham and they 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 come up they come all the way down now if you look in verse six in verse six it says and Jesse begat David the king and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias okay now, when you look at the wife of Urias, we know that she was not a Hebraic person. Okay. And it's a number of things, number of people like uh, Rahab the harlot. She was also in this same genealogy. And no doubt Mary had come through this particular ge- genealogy. Mm-hmm. But still, it doesn't validate the fact that he came from David. But we'll, we'll be dealing with that in a future discussion to see how the, uh, uh, David come through the, um, how Yeshua come through the line of David. But 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 Mary, you know, her her land was through the, uh, the through the Semitic land, you know, from Abraham all all the way on down through. Okay, and you, you know, it's interesting too how you brought out that uh, Yahusha was born twice, mm-hmm. and don't we also kind of go th- go through two births? Uh, mm-hmm. Like one is sin, and then once we're baptized, we are born again. Yeah, that yeah, you you hitting it on the head, and we'll be discussing 
we'll get into that next week where he was born twice, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll be getting into that that portion next week. Now, also, uh, when it says that Yahuwah and his son, when they created man, mm-hmm. when they created man, did they also implant their seed into us? Uh, yeah, they did. Uh, when he made Adam, mm-hmm. Adam had a seed in him. Okay. But, but the seed that he put in Adam to be able to put in Eve, it became corrupted before uh, she could have children. So, therefore, the seed was corrupted when he gave her children. That's why we are sinful today. So, would it would it be safe to say we we have both seeds in us, or has Satan's seed kind of overtaken um, Yahuwah's seed? Well, in some cases it has, but the Bible says that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you eat of that tree, uh-huh. you you will uh, uh, reap the consequences of it. So when, when they took on Satan's nature, they was like the fruit that they had taken. The fruit was of good and evil. So when they partake of the fruit, okay. then they became good and evil. So they had the seeds of good and the seeds of evil. This is why the same individual that accepts uh, Satan can also accept Yeshua Mm -hmm. and his seed could overcome the devil's seed. But within us, our seed has become the mixture of good and evil. And in order to be able to overcome that, then we have to overcome the evil propensities and Mm -hmm. yield to the righteous propensities of what comes from the uh, seed of Elohim. As long as we are uh, dealing with the seed of the serpent, it's going to be evil. And as long as we deal with the seed of Elohim, it's going to be righteous. Mm. And so the good and the evil is there because the Bible says the fruit of the tree will have the seed in it. And the seed reproduces after its kind. So if we got good and evil in us, then we are working with two natures in this world. And if we overcome, then eventually the old nature of sin will be taken away and we'll only have the uh, nature of goodness and righteousness Mm -hmm. because we will have overcome. But right now, we are fighting. This is why the Apostle Paul said, the good that I would do, I do not, but that which I would not do, that I do, because Mm -hmm. within me is a law and I have good and evil in me and they are battling together. Mm -hmm. Some of our greatest fights is not with uh, uh, another person or anybody, we're fighting with ourselves. Wow. Uh, how the good can overcome the evil, and the evil is trying to overcome the good in our nature. So yeah. there's a war inside of each of us that we have to look to Yeshua for the strength to overcome the evil in us so the goodness can come out and we can be conquerors in the end. Wow. Okay, we have a question that was uh, emailed. And it reads, why did Yah put enmity between Satan and the woman? Yeah, well, one of the reasons for that, let's go to that text. He says here, uh, now here, here it says, I will put enmity, which means I will put hatred between thee and the woman. Okay. Well, uh, that he was talking to the serpent. Okay, now the serpent is the one that deceived Eve, mm-hmm. but we know in order for him to be the serpent, 
that in Revelation it says that the serpent was the devil. So how can the serpent in 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 in, in uh in Genesis be serpent all by itself? Then when you jump all to to the last book of the Bible, it says that the serpent, according to Revelation twelve, uh, nine, it said that the serpent was the devil. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if the serpent in the in in the uh, beginning deceived Eve, and it didn't mention Satan, and then at the end of uh, of the Bible it says in Revelation twelve nine that the serpent was the devil. Why is he linking the serpent with the devil? Well, that's because when the serpent did what he did, uh, even though it didn't mention it in Genesis, he was the one that used the serpent to deceive Eve. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the Bible, it is saying that this old serpent, the devil, because they were so tied together, that one of the names of Lucifer, one of the names of the devil, was the serpent because he used the serpent. So when he used the serpent to deceive, then the reason why Elohim wanted to put hatred between the woman and the serpent was because of the fact that he had deceived Eve in doing evil. And what Elohim is saying, that you, the hatred that is there, if we're going to be saved, we have to hate evil mm-hmm. with a perfect hatred and mm-hmm. love Elohim with a perfect love. Mm-hmm. So you can't have a perfect love without a perfect hatred. Wow. You're either going to love sin or you're going to love Elohim or you're going to hate Elohim and love sin. So he said, I'm going to put some hatred here because of what you did. It's going to be a hatred. Not just for you, but for the sinful behavior that you exemplified. So we, as Elohim's people, must learn to hate sin with a perfect hatred and love Elohim's righteousness with a perfect love. And you know, it goes to the uh, one of the verse I can't recall, but when he says, uh, "You can only love one master, and mm-hmm, right. you can't love two. Mm-hmm. So it's either you're gonna love." Mm-hmm. And go after uh, evil and sin and Satan, or you gonna love the perfect uh, King or Yahuwah with a perfect mm-hmm. and yielding love. Right. Well, with that, we will transition to our next segment. Up next is let's talk about that. Well, today, me and my father were talking uh, a couple of weeks ago and we was talking about the old and new Testament as we see in scripture. And, uh, I got to wondering like when one of the Bibles I enjoy reading is the Sefer Bible and they don't have an old and new Testament. It's basically the scriptures. They put it in order of, I believe basically how they were written. And so I got to wondering when did this old and new Testament come into play? And then, if you hear a lot of religions, they will say, well, the Old Testament has been done away with. Uh, it's only the New Testament we have to live by. There's a new covenant. So I kind of want to discuss and talk about that. So one of the verses I kind of wanted to reference uh, about studying as we study the scriptures and the word is if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me into 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 15. Again, that's 2 Timothy 
chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 15 and 16. And it reads, Study to show thyself approved unto Yahuwah, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But shun profane vain babblings, for they will increase unto more wickedness. So we are to study the scriptures and try not to let other things pollute it. So, Pastor, I want to ask you this. Um, many feel that the Old and New Testament are different and that a New Testament uh, replaces the Old, that it was a new covenant. Um, what are these people studying that to say that the old, the new replaces the old? Okay, you, you've got a question that deals with a number of issues. Okay, mm-hmm. now when you talk about the old and the New Testament, many people feel that when you talk about the old and the New Testament, that what you're talking about is the Old Testament consisting of 39 books, okay. which goes from Genesis to Malachi. Mm-hmm. And then when you deal with the New Testament, you're dealing with the books of Matthew to Revelation, mm-hmm. and they call that the Old and New Testament. Okay, now that's that's one issue that you're dealing with. Okay. Now, the other issue that you you are dealing with is that when you talk about the Old Testament, Testament is a word for covenant. Mm-hmm. So you talk mm. about the Old Covenant. Okay. And then when you talk about the New Testament, you talk about the New Covenant. Okay. So there's two issues that you're dealing with. Uh, like when people say, well, we go by the Old Testament. Well, the first answer that I gave that the Old and the New Testament, when you deal with the books of the Bible, mm-hmm. like from Genesis to Malachi and from Matthew to uh, Revelation, they are looking at it from the standpoint, not so much as covenants in the sense that Elohim is given, but they're looking at it from the standpoint of the books that were written before they wrote Matthew's. Because, you know, in between Malachi and Matthew, uh-huh. you have the book of the Maccabeans and, and a lot of that, which is not in our Bible. Yeah. Just like a lot of people say, well, what went on between Malachi and the time that Matthew's began to write? Well, uh-huh. if you read in the Sefa Bible, you can read the book of the Maccabeans and other books that were being written. But the point is, when people talk about the Old and the New Testament, they aren't talking about covenants in that sense. They are talking about the books that was in the Old Testament, the books that was in the New Testament. So let me let me let's let's look at what 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 we are dealing with. Now we want to turn to uh, the book of Luke, and in the book of Luke we want to turn to chapter twenty-four, and in the twenty-fourth chapter of the book of Luke we want to look at verse number twenty-seven. Now this was after Yeshua had been resurrected from the grave. Okay. Okay. Now here we find in uh, Luke chapter twenty-four. In verse 27, it says, now this is after he had come forth out of the grave and he was talking to certain disciples. And he said that as he discussed with them, he said in verse 27 and beginning at Moses, in other words, he's trying to explain to them. And then, well, let let me back up and get a little context of it. Let's go to uh, let's go to verse 24 uh, 
Luke chapter 24, verse 24, and we're going to read on down to 27 to get a context. It said, And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. In other words, they say that these women were saying that he had resurrected, and mm-hmm. and, 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 and they said, but, uh, but him they saw not. So the disciples went, and they didn't see it, but the women were saying that they had spoke with Yeshua after he left. But these men said, but they, you know, but the others said they saw him not. And verse 25 said, then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken, okay? Mm-hmm. He said all the prophets have spoken, okay? And then he said all not. Now, this is Yeshua talking to them, but they don't know it's him at this particular point, they don't know it. And he said, all not the Messiah to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. Now, here's what he said. He said, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scripture, the things concerning himself. Mm -hmm. So in other words, what he was saying and trying to explain to them, he used the prophets. Who were the prophets? Mm-hmm. That was the same prophets that he that we use, like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel, Zechariah, Haggai. All of those was a prophet. And the Bible said he explained out of the prophets. So what was the prophet? The prophets came out of what we call the Old Testament books. Okay. okay. And he said he explained to them out of there. They didn't have any other scriptures but the Old Testament scriptures. And what we call the New Testament, so-called, is that those who use the Old Testament began to see the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. And when they wrote about how the Old Testament prophecies was fulfilled, then we call that the New Testament. But if you trace what the New Testament has, it traces all the way back to the Old Testament because everything in the Old Testament is what they were referring back to. So when they referred back to it and substantiated mm-hmm. that this was the Messiah, it was from the Old Testament, not not any new, but we call it New Testament because they wrote about the Old Testament as it was fulfilling Yeshua. Mm. Okay. Okay. Now, now the other the other uh, let me see now the other other thing that we want to look at is is that when we we talk about the Old and the New Covenant, yeah. okay, not mm-hmm. in the sense of the books that were written, but in the sense of the covenant that is given. Okay. See, a lot of people mix up the books with the covenant. So let's deal with the covenant now. Okay. Not from a lot of books that was written. Okay. Okay. We want to turn to Jeremiah. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of texts here. Uh, the, f- the first one is uh, Jeremiah chapter 31. All right. Ch- Jeremiah chapter 31. And I believe it's also 31. <laughs> All right, Jeremiah 31, 31 says this. It said, Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Okay, now, why would he make a new covenant with the house of Israel, house of Judah? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's look at something that is significant, okay? Now, when we go back in history, when Jacob had 12 sons, and all of the 12 sons were considered the, the sons of Israel, 
Mm-hmm. Okay, now the sons of Israel were considered 12, even though we, we know that Joseph had two sons, uh, which would almost make it 14. But what we just basically looking at is that he says he's going to deal with the house of Israel mm-hmm. and the house of Judah. So now, if he's going to do that, then what we have to look at is who is the house of Judah and who is the house of Israel, okay? okay. Now, just just briefly going over some history, the Bible says he will make a new covenant with who? The house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Why are these two selected? Why didn't he say the house of Benjamin and the house of Asher or the house of Levi and the house of Dan? No. He used two 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 houses. He used the house of Judah and the house of Israel. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, when Solomon was reigning and he went against the covenant of Elohim, Elohim told him that his kingdom would be divided. But as long as Solomon they call it Israel. Why did they call it Israel? Because Israel was Jacob. Uh-huh. Jacob had 12 sons, and he was over the 12 tribes or the 12 children, which are the 12 tribes. And he said that all of the people that came from him would be the house of Israel. Uh-huh. But due to Solomon breaking the covenant, he said, after you, the kingdom is going to be divided. Uh-huh. And when Rehoboam, his son, came after Solomon died, then Jeroboam, who was also, he was kind of corrupt, uh-huh. but Elohim divided the kingdom at that time when Solomon had died, and Rehoboam wanted to, uh, uh, in other words, when he separated the kingdom, what happened? We find that two tribes went south and a ten tribes went north. So you had ten tribes up north, and the other 12 tribes, which the, which composed the other two, mm-hmm. that was in the south, which was uh, Judah and Benjamin. Judah and Benjamin and the rest of the tribes up north. And they called Judah and Benjamin, they called that the southern tribe, which was Judah. Mm-hmm. They called that Judah. The other 10 tribes up north, they called it Israel. So you had two tribes. So he is saying here that he is going to give a new covenant to the house of Judah and the house of Israel because at this time it was split up. Now, when we turn to the book of Hebrews, okay, let's turn to the book of Hebrews. Now, in the book of Hebrews, we look at chapter 8, and we want to consider verse 10, okay? Now, here, here the Bible says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days said, yeah, I will put my laws into their minds and write them in their hearts and I will be to them an Elohim and they shall be to me a people. So the new covenant was that when he would deal with his people, Judah and Israel, mm-hmm. when he deal with them, he said, look here, when I make this new covenant, see the old covenant it was written on stones, but he said, it's a new covenant. I'm going to write it in your minds, and I'm going to put this thing in your heart. Uh-huh. So when you deal with the mind, you're dealing with the intellect. He said, I'm going to put it in your mind. And when you deal with the heart, you're dealing with your emotions, 
You're dealing with your imaginations and your thinking. And he said, I'm going to put it in your very being. That's where I'm going to put it. Why was he going to put this law in their very being and their emotions? That is because when he made Adam, Adam was made as a covenant individual. He was a living covenant. He was not something that was uh, written. He didn't have to read something from a book or anything or written on stones or tablets. He was the covenant himself because Elohim's will was within Adam. Mm -hmm. He had Adam DNA in his mind and in his emotion, his imagination. That was all in him. And Elohim said in the new covenant that the old covenant could not do, I'm going to revisit you and I'm going to put it into your mind and heart. Then he goes on further to say in verse 11, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, and know ye Adonai, know him even from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. And verse 13 says, in that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. What was the old covenant? Old covenant was the same thing but it was where it was placed. Mm -hmm. It was on the stones, it was on the clay tablets, mm -hmm. but it wasn't in them. Uh. He said, but the new covenant is going to be on the inside of you. Uh -huh. He said, now that which decayeth is waxing old and is ready to vanish away. In other words, he can do it, he can do it with the old covenant in the sense that you don't have to worry about it written, written on stones and on, on paper, but I'm going to write it in your hearts, and that's going to be the new covenant, and I'm going to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you got the Spirit writing and putting it into us, whereas in the Old Covenant, it was written on stone, and the people were trying to keep it out of their own strength. But mm -hmm. the New Covenant, he said, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to aid you in order to accomplish that. But you know, it's interesting because as I was reading, uh, when I was going through, I think either the book of Isaiah or Jeremiah, and it was talking about the uh, second exodus, it talks about how Yahuwah was going to um, write his covenant and his laws in our minds and in our hearts when we come mm -hmm. back and accept him. And so right. that's why I'm wondering, has the new covenant taken effect yet or is it to come where he's going to write it in our minds and in our hearts permanently? Oh, while we are talking, he is doing it for many individuals now. He's doing mm. it for us now. Okay. This is why the gospel, when it goes forth and the covenant is understood, uh -huh. then it's getting registered into the minds of his followers. He's doing it now. So it's in the progress now. Yeah. Are some of those people, or is all of them, part of the hundred and forty-four thousand? We don't. We don't know. I don't, I, I, we don't know. It's all, only Elohim knows. I guess he know. He knows who they are. Uh -huh. But I couldn't come out and say. I'm part of the 144,000, but I'm okay. I, I'm certainly can strive to be a, be a part of it. Uh -huh. But do I know? I don't know. If anybody know that they are, then uh, they can tell me how they know that they are. We can try to do everything he can, but he says he got 144,000, and we could, but we could not be. But okay. uh, one of my favorite authors says that we should strive to be in that 144,000. But whether I'm in it, I don't know. Are you in it? I don't know. But another person in it, I don't know. Uh -huh. But Elohim knows. So it is possible that 
more than 144,000 would have uh, his new covenant written in their minds and in their hearts um, as we uh, go, march towards the end of time. Well, end of this world. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that's possible. But let, let me let me read something to you. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, oh, now, there's two things I'm going to read to you about 244,000. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of like a measuring tool. In, in Revelation chapter 7, it says, he said, after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And another angel ascended from the east, having the seal of the living Elohim, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our Elohim in their foreheads. Mm. Okay. And then right after that, he says, And I heard a number of them which were sealed, and they were the 144,000. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, he says... He had to seal them. Now, whatever the seal is, you know, they were being sealed. But then when you read in, in, in Revelation chapter chapter uh, 14, now notice what it says in, in this chapter about the 144,000. He said, and I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion with him and 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. Okay. Now, he said, and I heard a voice from heaven as of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps, and they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. Mm -hmm. Okay, now here's what we want to look at. Mm -hmm. Verse 4, it said, these are they, in other words, talking about the 144,000, these are they which were not defiled with women. In other words, they were not defiled with false churches. Women stand for church. So they didn't fall for the, the, the mark of the beast in the false uh, churches. He said they were not defiled with false churches or, or women. It said for they are virgins. They were virgins in a sense. They had a pure doctrine that they were following that Elohim had given them. And they said, these are they that follow the Lamb wheresoever he goeth. In other words, when we start following Elohim's covenant mm -hmm. and we follow Yeshua, wheresoever he goes, then that that is qualifying us if we follow him wherever he goes. We're not following man's religion. We're mm -hmm. following the covenant. And as we follow him in everything that we do, we are actually striving to be a part of the 144,000 because they say they follow him wheresoever he goes. Mm. And if you follow Yeshua wheresoever he goes, you 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 in line to be one of the 144,000. It just said these were from among men, being the first fruits unto Elohim to the Lamb. Mm. He said, because they follow him wheresoever he goes, they are going to be the first fruits of the Lamb. So these are some of the marks. They are sealed in their foreheads and they follow the Lamb wheresoever he goes. That is a description of the 144,000. Am I doing everything? I don't know at this point. So I can't say I am or I'm not. Okay. And I can't say that for anybody else. But Elohim knows. Okay. Um, two, I have a question also uh, from last week's when we uh, 
uh, let's talk about a second when we were talking about women and uh, should they be able to teach in front of a congregation? So I was reading Mark mm-hmm. earlier this week and I was reading Mark, the chapter one, verses 30 and 31. And mm-hmm. it reads, but Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever and Anon, they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lift her, lifted her up. And immediately the fever left and she ministered unto them. Um, now, I know a lot of camps in different religions say that women are not to teach and whatnot. But it seems like here, uh, when, when Yahushua raised her up and healed her, she started to minister. So isn't a minister, once a minister, is uh, kind of like a teaching others? Uh, okay, let me see. Let's, let's, let's check that out. Let me see. You said that was in Mark? Uh, <clears throat> yes, Mark the Mark first one. chapter verses thirty. Chapter 30. Uh, okay. Uh, Mark, let's get the box. See what Mark talking about. Okay, now Mark is saying here. Uh, let me see. It said in verse thirty-one, and he came and he took her by the hand. And lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. Mm-hmm. Okay, now uh, we're gonna look at this two ways. One way is that after he had healed her of a fever, she ministered to them, uh, perhaps because when he had given her the healing, mm-hmm. he said that he, she ministered unto them. Mm-hmm. Okay, now was she teaching? I don't know, but possibly. She may have served them food or something like that in, in ministering to them, okay? Okay. But is ministering to them in, in that way, uh, could that be teaching? Well, in a way, it could be, you know, because a lot of times when the prophets taught, they may not have spoken things. They may have demonstrated some things, you know, just like sometimes when they wanted to show the devastation of, of, of something, uh, I think I think it was Jeremiah that Elohim told him to take a girdle and hide it in the earth, and he hid it in the earth. Mm-hmm. And after so long, Elohim said, go back and get that girdle, and we got it. And he pulled it out of the earth. It was so worn and messed up. Mm-hmm. Now, what Elohim was trying to sh- show was this girdle that started off good and was hidden in the earth. It became corrupted, and he was trying to show how his people had become corrupted just like that girdle. And so without saying too much, we call that what you call an enacted parable, a parable that you don't have to speak. But when people saw that girdle, that was a message. And the message was that as that nation was once good, now it has become corrupt just like this girdle. So that was an enacted parable. So by what uh, the wife of Peter did, Mm-hmm. It it may have been an enacted parable of her ministering, okay? And when you can see what she did, then it can be a form of teaching. It could be. Okay, okay but let's let's look at the book of Ephesians in the fourth chapter. The book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Now here's what we want to look at. We want to look at the fourth chapter, and let me see. 
uh, we want to start, uh, let me see. Well, let's start with verse number two, Ephesians 4, 2. Uh, here it talks about with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing, and uh, forbearing one another in, in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body talking about his church, one spirit, even as ye are called to one hope of your calling. It said, one Lord, one animal now, one faith, one baptism, one Elohim and father of all who has become above all and through all and in you all. Okay, now, here's what we're going to begin to look at. It said, but unto everyone as of us is given the grace according to the measure of the gift of the Messiah. Uh -huh. He said, everybody's given a measure of grace according to the gift. So let us see what the gifts of the church are. He said, wherefore, he said, when he ascended up on high, in other words, when he was death, buried, and resurrected, and he went back to heaven, he said he led captivity, cap cap captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, which is it, but he also who descended first into the lower parts of earth. Because when he descended, I understand, according to the writings of Peter, he went down and he preached to the demons in hell. But that's not what we're trying to deal with. But he said, then he went on high. And he descended in, he, in verse 10 said, he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, because we know he's above the third heaven. That's He's in the third heaven. That's where he is. That he might feel all things. And notice what, what he did. He gave some gifts. He said he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Now, here's what we want to look at. For the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body of the Messiah. So the body of the Messiah is a church, and he said he gave these gifts for the work of the ministry. So if she ministered, uh -huh. there we read a number of gifts that she could have ministered in. Yeah. And when you minister somebody, sometimes what you do speaks so loud that people can't hear what you got to say because they're looking at your example, and your example certainly is a teacher. Mm. So is it wrong then for these different religions and to be so male dominated and to shut women down? Are they, could they possibly be men missing out on a ministry from women by doing this? Well, they are missing out, but the fact is many of them may be doing it and they consciously just want to sit the woman down because they want, they want to be out front. Mm. And then some of them may not know. They just may be taking a tradition of, something that has been passed down to them. They say, well, this is where my father did it and my father's father, and they didn't allow women. So we take these scriptures and mean that, yeah, the woman is, a woman is not to teach and they can lose quite a bit. But the fact is that when you leave, read about the Pentecostal experience in the book of Acts 2, it says he has poured out his spirit upon his handmaiden. Mm-hmm. 
they would also receive, not a handmaiden, is a woman. So when the Holy Spirit come unto you, you don't know what gift he may give that woman. She may prophesy, she may teach, she may minister, she may have the gift of healing, she may have the, uh, the gift of being an apostle, because all of these gifts I'm, I'm mentioned here mm-hmm. that he gave. She may be an evangelist, she may be a pastor, because the Holy Ghost ain't going to come, come down on a woman and say, well, let me see, uh, since she's a woman, I can't give her this gift. I can't. Yeah. You're not going to tell the Holy Ghost who to give a gift to. Yeah. He gives who, whom he pleased. Just like when Sapphire and Ananias, they had decided to give the church so much property. And then when they came to Peter, one by one, separately, Peter said, how much did you promise to give? And they said, so and so. And the Holy Ghost had told Peter, no, she's lying. And uh, her husband, he said, uh, he's lying. And the Bible said the Holy Holy Spirit struck him dead. Mm. And then his wife came in a little later, and he asked her, he said, uh, how much did you sell the property for? And she said, so and so. He said, you also have lied against the Holy Spirit. And the same feet that took your husband out is going to take you out. Mm. So you can't tell the Holy Ghost who to give his gifts to. Yeah. Elohim gives his gift to who, who he pleases. And you may have a male chauvinistic attitude, but that doesn't that doesn't make Elohim stop giving the women what they need in order to qualify them to do the ministry. And mm-hmm. the ministry could be any of those gifts that a person may have in order to carry on the kingdom of Elohim. And I have no right to stop a woman from doing what she has been gifted to, no more than a woman can stop me from being using my gift. Because in the creation, the Bible says, let's turn to that and I'll close on that. Mm-hmm. Here the Bible says in Genesis chapter chapter 1 and verse number uh, uh, verse number 26, this should, this should put a cap on it. It said, and Elohim said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over every uh, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, if you notice, it says have dominion over the earth. Mm-hmm. It never said have dominion over another person. Mm. So he never intended for man to rule over man. Man was to rule over the earth. We were to respect man and, and, and to be able to treat him with dignity, but they were not to rule over one another. So the gifts that he gave to men, he can also he has also given to women, and as a result, they are to use their gifts just as freely as men use their gift. I totally agree, you know, um, with all of that, because, you know, uh, just how he said man, and I believe when you, that verse you quoted, in Genesis, when you break that down, I believe means man and woman because man woman came from man, so technically well, they well, are two. They are one and together. Well, you know. you, you you don't have to go far. All you got to do is take twenty six and mm-hmm. connect it with verse twenty seven. And verse twenty seven says, "So Elohim created man in his own image. In the image of Elohim created he him. Male and female created he them." Mm. It's right there. Mm. Yeah, it's all there. The dominion was given to both the king and the queen. The king was Adam and the queen was Eve. They were to rule over the earth, not over one another. Wow. I, I just wonder, where did this male chauvinistic 
uh, me higher than you really come into play. I know, yes, yeah, sin is a major part of it. But when he created them, it sounds like they was on an equal playing field. Because when you marry uh-huh. someone, everybody, and I think that's the problem with today's, everybody's getting outside of their role. Everybody has a role to play. There's certain things that a woman can do in a way a woman can minister that is effective, and there's certain mm-hmm. ways that a man can do. And I think he set mm-hmm. out to roles, and when you put those together, you become one unit in order to minister really fully effectively, you know, if you're married in that construct. You know, but to say yeah, that... Uh, mm-hmm. okay. No, I just said, you know, he put the woman for the help me, mm-hmm. and if the help me means uh, that she teach, then let her teach. Yeah. Well, Pastor, can you take us to the throne as we get ready and wrap up this podcast for this week? There. Our loving Father, we have looked at the source of the seed and how you planted your seed within Mary to be able to produce your son or body to be the Messiah and also our sacrifice. So we know, Lord, that the seed came directly from you. And as we've looked at other nuances in the scriptures, oh, Heavenly Father, and some of the questions that we have, that they may be answered, and if not, we ask, oh, Heavenly Father, we can come at it again in another way to be able to answer the questions that have been articulated today. But in the meantime, oh, Heavenly Father, help us to peruse and to study the Scriptures that we may search the Scriptures in such a way, oh, Heavenly Father, to study, to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. So now, oh, Father, as we go through the rest of the Shabbat, continue to give us a blessing. May we be prepared, oh, Heavenly Father, and refresh and renewed and revitalized to go into a new week because we have taken time to refresh ourselves on the day that you rested, that we can be able to know that we can have a renewed spiritual life as we continue to go through this world. Continue to bless us, those who have had loss of loved ones and those who have been sick and shut in, and for the relatives and the friends, oh, Heavenly Father, that we have lost. We ask that you would comfort the family through the person of your Holy Spirit. We ask, oh, Heavenly Father, that you would heal the sick and to be able to give sight to those who are blind. We ask, O oh, Heavenly Father, that you would give the necessary things that we need through food, shelter, transportation, and clothing. But above all, O oh, Heavenly Father, help us to seek first the kingdom of Elohim, that we can be able to establish our salvation with thee, that when thou dost come, we will not have just absorbed just the material things of life, but also the spiritual things that have prepared us for your kingdom. These blessings we do ask in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Uh, And just to reiterate, next week we'll be doing Science of the Sacrifice Part 6. And Pastor, you said that uh, you're going to be diving into uh, who should be born twice. The two births. Twice. Born twice, yeah. Yeah, we have to understand why was it that he was born twice. Tell you people, you don't want to miss it. If you enjoyed today and you haven't listened to the first four, you got to listen to the first four and come back next week where the pastor going to talk about the two births. It's interesting stuff. You, you, you can't get this stuff anywhere else but here. You, I, I guarantee 
You're not going to find it anywhere else on the internet besides the science of the covenant. So continue to watch us, continue and tell your friends, tell everyone about the science of the covenant and the stuff we're doing over here and the things that the pastor is giving us. You don't want to miss it. That is our podcast for this week. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. And we will get to them in the next podcast. All the paths of Yahuwah are mercy and truth unto such as to keep his covenant and his testimonies. Matthew 25, 10. Until next week, Shalom.